Hello everyone, welcome to the Strange and Interesting Podcast. My name is Al, and joining me today is my friend, Jeff. How's it going today, Jeff? Pretty good, not too bad. Well, this episode is... Okay, first a little background of this episode. We actually just got done recording the episode that you're going to hear next month in November, uh, which is an episode about Jeff's experience as you know, doing an archaeology field camp. And after we were done with that episode, we just were chatting because, you know, we haven't talked in a while, a little while. And we started talking about all these weird paranormal investigation theories. And it's like, you know, we should probably just record this. I just want to, first of all, say that this episode is completely off the cuff. We're not, we haven't done any preparation, no real pre-planning, so this is just kind of a couple of guys talking, and we happen to be recording it. Right. Yeah. I understand that you know you also have a little bit of interest in the paranormal as well. Um, I mean, I know it's something that I've had uh, an interest in for a long time. When I was growing up, I used to watch some of the, sh- the ghost hunting shows, like Sightings was one of my favorite ones, and also Ghost Hunters. And uh, there's... I know there's a bunch on like Discovery Channel that we enjoy watching as that my wife and I enjoy watching as well. Yes, and uh, same here. I would watch all the paranormal shows that would come on. There used to be quite a few. I, I remember maybe it was kind of around the early '90s. There seemed to be quite a few. Now they seem to be. More or less, a lot of them are on the History Channel, from what I notice. But uh, at one time, you know, there were quite a few ideas, like Unsolved Mysteries. I would watch that quite a bit. Various others, like Sightings, of course, In Search Of, but, you know, I would see that in reruns and all that. Still try to watch that when I can. I always thought that was an interesting show with Leonard Nimoy. It is interesting the way that they've done these paranormal shows over the years because some of the ones I remember watching back in the day were a bit more scripted and organized where they might have an interview with someone who's an expert on a certain field. They might have reenactments. There's a written script, you know, there's background music and all that, but then you've got, you know, some of the more uh, recent ghost hunting shows well, not necessarily recent. I think this particular style has been done since like, you know, the like the late 90s, early 2000s. The ones where you're actually following the investigation team and it's pretty much whatever happens, happens. Those shows are always interesting because sometimes they find stuff and sometimes they don't. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I guess... uh Maybe I preferred a little more of like the uh, documentary kind of style when it comes to paranormal shows where it's a bit more premeditated and it's more informative. They're telling you about it as opposed to ones where it is like a bit more off the cuff and it maybe relies more on kind of like a shock value element to it to kind of you know, shock people. That that could be all right. You know, I'm not saying it's terrible, but I do prefer more of like a structured kind of like documentary style. I know 
in the 70s is kind of interesting. What was popular then, there was a style known as the docudrama. And you would see different things that would come out, like the town that dreaded sundown. I think Boggy Creek was another one where uh, it was kind of a combination of a drama, but also like a documentary at the same time. They don't seem to really do too many of those anymore that I'm aware of. I think the docudrama style might have gone away. Probably because it, it would require a lot more preparation and probably more expensive. Because if again, if you're doing these reenactments, you have to hire you have to write the script, you have to hire the actors, you have to you know, your actors are probably gonna do some rehearsals. You know, after you film it, you have to do all your editing. But when you look at something like with Ghost Adventures, yeah, sometimes they will do a little bit of a reenactment, but most of it is, you know, Zach Baggins and the other hosts talking to the people at the property they're investigating. And then the rest of it is just, okay, they're, they're doing their investigation and, you know, editing down for the interesting parts. Now with Ghost Adventures, at least from my recollections of the episodes I've seen, a lot of times they always seem to come up with something, but I remember Ghost Hunters, and this is where I think in a way Ghost Hunters is a, was a bit more authentic, because there were episodes where they didn't really find anything, and they had to tell the the homeowner that we really don't think that this place is haunted, It's there's probably something else at play. I remember there was this one episode where, and this is where Jason and Grant's experiences as plumbers uh, actually came in very useful. There was one family where they kept hearing all these weird noises and they found out it was something with the sump pump hmm. where it was hitting yeah. against something. And I remember there was another hotel they were investigating where one of the rooms people found would report just feeling general uneasiness. And they actually found out, well, the reason why is the ceiling fan. The, you know, a lot of times they have like a low, medium, and high setting. And one of the settings was stuck, where if you put it to that setting, it wouldn't turn the blades, but it would still be giving off the electromagnetic frequency. Right, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, interesting that, you know, they would have that and acknowledge that, that, you know, sometimes, yeah, we don't find everything um it's not uh the case where everything is haunted some things are not so they're kind of showing you that yeah it's kind of a false alarm or there really wasn't anything when we expected there to be something as to where you know ghost adventures is a little more you know all the time and you know there's voices and things appearing on cameras and you know so i i think yeah Ghost Hunter is probably a bit more realistic in, in that regard to how it would be. The only thing I don't like about some paranormal investigation shows whenever they're dealing with EVPs is I always hate it how they'll t before they play the EVP, they'll tell you what they think they heard. And I know Chad and I addressed this in the first episode where they'll be like, if you listen very closely, you'll hear a voice say... I want to murder you. And it's like, okay, I listen to it and I hear, I want some potato chips. Right, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> because if they say it's like, you know, if you listen carefully, you'll hear this voice say something. And it's like, okay, now you've supplanted that subliminal suggestion in my head. So now mentally I'm going to try to form that particular phrase instead of what am I, you know, hearing organically. Right. Now, when we were just chatting after recording what will be the next episode, I mentioned one of the paranormal investigation theories you hear every now and then is the stone tape theory. And you said that you actually never heard of that before. Correct. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that. I had heard of, you know, water and uh, ghosts and spirits being seen near bodies of water and that playing a role in um, ghosts and the paranormal. But yeah, I didn't hear what you were telling me about. The stone tape theory is an idea that sometimes things that happen in an area will the energy or the emotion somehow imprints itself on the building or in the area that you are you know that the event occurred in and that under certain circumstances these recordings are later replayed so if you have a situation where let's say someone jumped out of the third floor window of a building, somehow that energy gets imprinted on the on the environment and then it'll be replayed, which is, I mean, it's certainly an interesting idea. It's just, I'm not exactly sure if anyone's ever fleshed out the idea of how that, how exactly would that work? Right, yeah, and... Another thing we were talking about, I had mentioned something kind of similar to what Al had just mentioned, and that was this idea of something called the Akashic Records. And what the Akashic Records are said to be, or the theory behind it, is that everything that any human has ever done in all of human history is recorded in kind of like a cosmic recorder. And that when someone sees a ghost, it's just you're seeing an image that has been recorded in the Akashic Records bleeding over into this dimension. I've never heard of the Akashic Records before, so where did you first hear about this? I've heard people talk about it going back many years. I was reading a book, I think, on astral projection that came out um, I think early 1900s, it was like 1910 or so, written by a guy who was a part of the spiritualist movement. And he mentioned a little bit of it there, but for a while you would only get like little brief mentions. There was a uh, podcast I would listen to called Cults and Conspiracies, and it's a podcast, um, two brothers would do it, Eric and Everett. And it's a cool podcast, kind of a, almost like in the buddy genre in a way it has that feel to it so instead of like buddy cops it's buddy paranormal investigators right yeah so it was kind of like that uh but you know they, they would get serious um at certain moments and they were talking about uh the akashic records they devoted a whole episode to it and i like i said only heard a little bit of it before because it seemed like at one time you wouldn't get a lot of it and then they devoted a whole um, show to it. So I, I thought that that was interesting. I hadn't heard that much info about it before. And there's a theory, it's one of the theories involving 
you know, ghosts, is that you're seeing images of the Akashic records bleeding over into this dimension. If these records are being recorded, that means every time I've taken a really massive dump, that's been recorded. Right, and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, who exactly would be recording all of this information? I mean, do they ever say... I mean, is it like, are they gods, angels, demons, aliens? Yeah, that uh, um, is, is not known, um, like what the connection would be or who put this thing in motion, what might have created it. Um, but, you know, it's just a theory. Everything is like being recorded. Some people do say that it's God recording everything. Others say it's something else happening but yeah it just kind of depends yeah that's that's certainly interesting maybe who knows maybe that might be something to discuss in more detail and on a later episode i know another one of the paranormal theories that i've heard about and it's going to be kind of awkward describing this because i don't it's been a while since i remember hearing this theory my friend chad and uh, my friend Scott, back when they used to do the the Want to Hear Something Interesting podcast, this was like, I think, their first or second episode. But they were talking about ghosts and ghost hunting. And this theory, I think, came about in like the, like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and, then, and it was supposed to try to provide a scientific explanation as to why we sometimes see ghosts the popular one of the popular theories is that okay ghosts are just you know they're the spirits of people who've passed on and there's a lot of times you'll hear paranormal researchers talk about smart hauntings and dumb hauntings where like a dumb haunting is usually it's described similar to you know, the, well, it's like the stone tape theory, where this there's this event that just keeps happening over and over and over again. Sometimes it happens under certain circumstances, like if someone committed suicide in a home, and then maybe on the anniversary of that suicide every year, you'll see this apparition appear of this person committing suicide where that so that's that's more along the lines of the stone tape theory where this event somehow imprinted itself on the environment and that's why we can see it replayed and then you've got your this idea of the smart hauntings or intelligent hauntings where you've got a ghost that seems to respond directly to the investigator so you see this sometimes when uh, investigators are trying to get EVPs. If they ask a specific question and the entity that they're trying to interact with gives a response that seems to be relevant to whatever they said. Like, for example, if they ask a question like, how did you die? And then you might hear an EVP where they say, gun and then maybe you find out they find out later that in this house that they're investigating someone killed themselves with a handgun so that that might be an example of something that's like an intelligent haunting so i don't know if you ever heard of the 
the, the idea between intelligent and dumb hauntings? No, that I haven't heard. But it, it's interesting in talking about this because it's kind of like talking about and trying to answer the question of what a ghost is. You know, and that's actually very difficult when you really think about it, when you really try to, you know, answer the question of what a ghost is, because there's another theory of what a ghost is, kind of similar to, I think in some ways it does kind of connect to the stone tape theory to some degree in that there's this idea that if you have, and a lot of times this is guys, if you have a guy who lives in a house and every day he comes home from work at six o'clock, he has the chair he sits in every day, he gets a beer out of the fridge, and he does this for year after year, maybe even multiple decades of doing this, that that will kind of be imprinted. And, you know, after he's gone, that will still continue to happen. I have heard of that idea. And people have talked about how um, if someone had real habitual behavior patterns like that, that could be like imprinted in a area, you know, could be imprinted in a certain area because just he was doing the same thing so long for such a long period of time that kind of got imprinted over a period. It's certainly a theory that would make sense if you think about it. It's just if you're trying to look at it rationally, there's a question of, oh, how does this happen? Why does this happen? Why does the fact that this guy comes home from work every day, sits down on his favorite recliner, his favorite comfy chair, cracks open a beer, why would that imprint on the environment like that? Right, yeah, and that's that's true. Like, why why would that happen? But, yeah, not really known. I, I wouldn't know how that would happen and how that would be recorded if it's some sort of an energy thing that's left over. But yeah, that's, you know, kind of a mystery to me. But I do know that with hauntings, there have been a number of them that have been connected to people that have done things very habitually for many years, and then they're gone, and that, that would continue. But why, what's causing that exactly, yeah, I, I wouldn't know. Honestly, I think the idea of intelligent hauntings is a bit more terrifying than the idea of dumb yeah. hauntings. Because if it's intelligent, then that would imply that, okay, there's this spirit that didn't pass on to the afterlife. And in my case, as someone who has a degree in religious studies, that's really kind of fascinating to me because... What would prevent them go from going to the afterlife? And, you know, I mean, I well, of course, the question of what happens after we die is just one of those things that people have speculated on for thousands of years and will continue to speculate on for thousands of years beyond that. Yeah, it's, you know, basically, I think there's two major questions, right? Where do we go when we die and are we alone? Like, those are the two greatest, right? The way I always see it, is either something happens after we die or nothing happens after we die. And I don't know which prospect is more terrifying because if the truth, well, I suppose the less terrifying idea would be that nothing happens after we die because, well, if our, if our consciousness just ceases to exist, 
then we really wouldn't know now, would we? I think the thing that's kind of scary about that particular idea is people who do bad things. And I think that one of the reasons some people like the idea of like punishment in the afterlife is, let's face it, there have been a lot of people in the history of the world who have done horrible, horrible things. And we want to think that even if they escape earthly justice, that they will face some kind of justice or some kind of retribution in the next world. So that's where I think this idea of hell or a punishment in the afterlife is emotionally satisfying to a certain degree. But then if you think about if something does happen to us, well, that's all based on a matter of faith. I mean, if you want to believe that when you die, you go to heaven. Okay, so you're in this eternal paradise, but does everybody get there? And if everyone gets there, well, does that mean, okay, someone who did all these terrible, horrible, rotten things in life, they're going to end up in this eternal paradise as well? But then again, there's also, and this is just me rambling, I apologize, but, <laughs> but then there's also the idea, if there is a punishment in the afterlife, is it necessarily going to be eternal? I mean, how many people in the world today really do things that make them deserving of an eternity of torment? I, I, and I guess in some ways I kind of like the idea of like the Buddhist or Hindu ideas of afterlife where it is still possible to redeem yourself. You just sometimes have to come back and, you know, some might take you a few lifetimes, but eventually you'll get it right. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of an interesting thing. It kind of uh, made me think a bit about the afterlife and something that I would think about sometimes is that, uh, you know, maybe like an idea that there is an idea that in the afterlife, it's almost like you still have a physical body again, like you still have a physical body. Or is it more like you're disembodied in order to get a physical body again, you have to be reborn again? Yeah, and I know that's why there's some religions that are against the idea of cremation. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Catholics were against the idea of cremation for a while because there was the belief that you needed to have your physical body come judgment day, you're going to be resurrected into it. Though I think that the Catholic Church has actually come to accept cremation. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. What's the process upon which the uh, spirit obtains another physical body? What, what causes that? So that, that's another interesting question that kind of connects to it. But to get back to like with ghosts and the paranormal, yeah. of course, the scary thing about that is if something does happen in the, in, to us after we die, why do some people not move on and why do they stay bound to the physical world. Now, one of the more prevalent theories is that they, if you have something that you've left, uh, that you were unable to complete, that will sometimes, that'll somehow anchor your, your spirit to the physical world. And you hear about this occasionally in ghost stories and other works of fiction. And if someone failed to complete a task that they're 
again, their spirit stays attached to the earth until someone can come along and, you know, exercise their ghost so that it can move on to the next life. Right. And I've heard there's like sort of like an Asian version of that that I remember hearing that uh, one of the things that causes a person to be a ghost is if they were maybe killed or murdered and now they're so enraged and being so enraged is what causes them to not move on they're just in like severe rage i believe there was a movie i had seen it a long time ago it might have been called the grudge but if i'm not mistaken i think it had something to do with that concept I don't even think I saw the whole thing, but I had heard of that idea from Asian cultures. Or another theory as to what could cause ghosts to manifest is the theory that if someone dies real suddenly, where they never really had a chance to process what was happening, that's another thing that could possibly cause a ghost to manifest in an area and start haunting uh, a house or a location. Right. I know there was a ghost hunter around. Might still be around. I'm not sure. His name was uh, Hans Holzer. And uh, he would uh, go to places and he would usually bring like a medium with him. And, you know, he would say that, what what you said, it's a person who died suddenly, and in many cases, they don't realize that they've died. There's not a realization. That name sounds familiar. I think there's a show based on it called, like, the Hanser, or what's the guy's last name again? Hans Holzer? Yeah, like the Holzer tapes, where oh. it has a these people who have the actually have access to all the recordings he made, and they actually go and try to investigate some of these... Uh, these these cases but that that name sounded familiar I, I think it's one of the shows on discovery plus or maybe we saw it on the travel channel i just know that the name sounded familiar just kind of triggered that little light bulb back there yeah from what i understand i think he's one of the bigger names in like paranormal investigation and i i know i attended a ghost con there was actually there's a chicago ghost con and i went to it one year and i think i'm not sure if it was him or his daughter who was giving a talk there but uh yeah they actually they do have like ghost cons and conventions and stuff on the paranormal and that that's cool i mean it's you gotta love the convention scenes there's conventions for almost anything you can imagine so it doesn't surprise me that there would be like a ghost con or a paranormal con yeah, and this was a uh, it was put on by a uh local um ghost investigator named Ursula Bilski that she organized. She's written a number of books on Chicago ghosts and stuff, some very good stuff and all that, and she had organized this event. And I went to it. It's kind of funny though, uh the one person that everyone wanted to see more than anyone else was uh Chicago horror host Sven Gulli. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, longtime horror host. And I got to meet him. That that was great. That was the highlight no. of GhostCon for me was meeting Sven Gulli, a guy who I've been watching hosting horror films literally since 1979. 
Okay, so it's not because I know there was the son of Svenguli. Oh right, yeah, he's well technically, yeah, he's the son of Svenguli. That's what he used to be called. Now he just calls himself Svenguli, but calling himself the son of Svenguli is to differentiate him from the first guy, Jerry Jean Bishop, who was Svenguli. Uh, maybe it's just I live in the wrong area, but you don't see as many of the horror hosts anymore. Because I remember back in the day, of course, the one a lot of people remember is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And the one that we used to have up here, Ned the Dead, and his co-host Doc Moreau, they were funny. A lot of the little in- interjections they made into the movie were very Wisconsin-centric. And, of course, being in Wisconsin, a lot of times it was stuff related to the Packers and other aspects of Wisconsin culture that you may or may not understand depending on how familiar you are with the area. I'm trying to – when I was in Oshkosh, I did catch somebody late at night one time hosting something, and I thought he was kind of the Wisconsin equivalent of Svenguli. He had like kind of a Packers jersey and he had like green Packer hair. Was he in a lab coat? I I don't recall, but his hair was like green. He had like green hair. It was very Packer themed. (laughs) His his whole image and the way he looked. Doc Moreau had, you know, the mad scientist type hairdo in a a lab coat and then Ned the Dead dressed in like a suit. And then he had face paint to make it look kind of like a zombie skull. So... I mean, they were funny. I think one of my one of my favorite little scenes that they had, they were watching a movie called uh, Wasteland Warriors, I think. And there was a scene where someone drove a vehicle through a bunch of kegs. It cuts to Doc Moreau and Ned the Dead with these panic look on their face like, the beer! <laughs> there was also <laughs> another one where it had a picture of it that like there was a scene involving a scantily clad woman and they had these like when it cut away to doc and ned they had these like fake eyes put on their eyes to make them bulge out and they were holding like these long balloons that were inflating oh <laughs> so yeah it was one of those things where i had to see it but to get yeah. back on track uh because uh I was telling before, I remember hearing this theory that tried to have a scientific explanation for how we see ghosts. So if they're not spirits of the deceased, it could be people who are just out of sync with their own time. And the theory is that in addition to the dimensions that we're used to, you know, physical ones like length, width, and depth, there's the dimension of time. And sometimes people might vibrate out of sync with the time, the specific time period they're in. And again, how this is supposed to happen, I don't know. I just think it sounds like an interesting theory that this could explain some ghost sightings because it's not unusual. Well, one of the things we see in ghost sightings is someone reports a ghost walking through a wall. This theory could explain if you're in an old bu- a building, an older building that maybe went through renovations. Perhaps a hundred years ago, the area where you saw that ghost was actually a hallway leading into another room, but then they renovated the building and now there's a wall there. So it would make sense that you would see someone walk through that wall. In, in their time, there's no wall there; it's just a hallway. 
But since we see it in our time as a wall, we see it as appearing to be someone walking through a wall. And this would also explain why a lot of times we see ghosts dressed in clothing from an earlier age. It, it's older clothing for us, but they're just wearing what they wore in everyday life. I thought that was just an interesting take on the whole theory of why we see ghosts is that, you know, again, we're not seeing spirits. We're not seeing impressions of people that they left on the environment. We're just seeing people back in time doing whatever they're normally doing. It's just for some reason we can see them doing that in the future. We just can't interact with them. Yeah, that, that's an interesting theory. And uh, one thing, when we were talking before we started this episode, I brought up a joke that comedian Jay Moore told. And it was, uh, why is it ghosts are always from the 19th century? You know, or why is it they're always from that time period? It's never someone with a mullet who died <laughs> in like 1985, or it's never someone from 2010 looking for an iPad charger. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting, seeing a ghost of someone wearing like a Metallica t-shirt and, uh, <laughs> you know, with the, the the big poofy hair that people liked uh, back in the 80s or, you know, someone dressed in like tiger stripe spandex or some other, right. <laughs> some of the other stuff that passed for fashion back when we were growing up. Yeah, it's always a lot of it's Victorian era, you know, Victorian era ghosts. Well, that, as I mentioned, this was just a very off the cuff, as you could probably tell by the way we were talking and our little back and forth here. Um, we really, we didn't, all of the, what you just heard, this was just off the cuff, no notes, no prior preparation. So, I mean, it was interesting. It was actually kind of fun to talk about this stuff because a lot of my podcasts, I've gotten used to being more organized and more prepared, but it is kind of fun to do something spontaneous every now and then. Right. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And next month, we'll be hearing Jeff talk a little bit more as he tells us about an archaeology field camp experience he had. So until next time, everyone, stay strange and stay interesting. You have been listening to a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio. Visit us on the web at poigamestudio.com. Follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Look us up on Facebook and email us at poigamestudio at gmail.com.